Bob, you wanted to talk about happy stuff. What do you want to talk about? You know what? Oh, wow. My audio is really loud right now. But if I turn it down even slightly, it'll turn non-audible. Let's see if I can turn it down. How? Nope. Just the slightest movement makes it barely hearable. I don't get that. That Scarlet's weird. So, you're going to hate me? So, I didn't get around to doing anything. Prepping anything, because naturally. But a thought came to me while you were taking a piss. It's not happy, 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 but it's fun, fun, fun. I was watching, uh, there's this uh, person I follow on Twitter who's a, a video essayist called, and it was around the time of the Nostalgia Critics, so everybody had to have a gimmick when you started. So his is, his his name is Todd in the Shadow. It's a dumb thing, but everybody had to have a gimmick back in the day. Um, And his whole thing is uh, it, music reviews, and he brought up a, a poll on Twitter that kind of piqued my interest. And it really upset me that nobody, that everybody picked specific things. So, what would you consider of these four TV theme songs to be the most, the one you remember the most, and to you is the most iconic? Okay, hit me with it. Family Matters, Full House, Step by Step, or Perfect Strangers? Um, probably Full House, um, Family Matters, and Perfect Strangers would probably be a close second. Step by Step, I sort of remember, but I would probably say Full House is the one that, as soon as you say it, like, it automatically, like, every little piece of it kicks in. Does that make sense? Yes and no. Because, yes, I understand the fact that, uh that the moment you hear you hear the name it'll trigger i can't remember the full house or family matter theme songs to save my life really interesting yeah. and hell i would actually say if it wasn't for watching an old uh jim sterling video step by step as well i couldn't remember to save my life but you know what i'll always remember standing tall <laughs> On the wings of our dreams. The Perfect Strangers theme song, I've had in my head since I was like nine. Interesting. I haven't seen Perfect Strangers since it aired. And that's like what? Nine or 89, 90? Let's see. The last was season like was 92 or yeah. 93, I think was the final season of Perfect Strangers. Yeah, as a kid. And I remember it almost as well as the Fresh Prince theme. Interesting. Right? Now, if Fresh Prince was on there, that would be the tops for me. You see, it can't be on there because it's that was it was not a uh, in a jingle created for an intro for an 80s show that was a fresh print uh in jazzy jeff song that was used as an intro as in terms of feeling of it that just felt like another fresh prince jazzy jeff song that just happened to be also a theme song but the other ones they're straight theme songs and i cannot for the life of me remember the full house or family matters Let's see, Full House is the, uh, hold on, um, I can never tell what the dude says at the very start of the song, 
The Milkman, the Paperboy. Oh, dun, whatever dun, happened dun, dun. to the possibilities. Okay, yeah. Right? Oh, no, whatever happened to predictability. Oh, yeah, maybe. That's what it is, yeah, predictability. Yeah, I could never tell yeah. what that first... I remember... God, that's a shitty song. <laughs> yep, it is. Family Matters. <laughs> no. Oh, um... <laughs> I've still got the full house theme in my head, so Family Matters is taking a back seat mentally. Um, that's it. I'm going to YouTube it. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Family Matters theme song season two. <laughs> it's <What>? very specific. <laughs> okay. It's a rare condition this day and age. It's that one. Okay. God, it's a bad song, though. There we go. Put it in the Discord chat. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah. Wow, I can hear that. Good old Reginald Vell Johnson, bro. I'm telling you. You know what I would absolutely love? What's that? For me to pause if, this so it's not <laughs> playing and you can hear it. That too. That too. <laughs> but also, if there was a, a rendition of Les Mis with Reginald Vell Johnson in it and he played one of the leads lead so he can be Reginald Vell, uh, Jean Valjean. <laughs> Dude, that's funny. Can I just say, though, watching that, it makes me think, and I don't know why it makes me think of this, but, dude, it makes me think of, do you remember Living Single? Yes, Living Single was a really good show. So good. And I still have the hots for Kim Coles. Like, she, like, I loved her in that show. And still to this day, I'm like, dude, she is so awesome. God, themes were intros were weird in the nineties, in the eighties oh. and nineties. But I guess it makes sense because it's built on the back of uh, these are the players and this show. Well, yeah, that's what all TV was really. I mean, if you yeah. think from I Love Lucy all the way to The Office, right? That was kind of the the whole purpose of the pre-roll is to just say, hey, these are the people and no, no, the no, no, names no. of the actors. Not just these are the actors that are here. It's a, these are the players in this show. Yeah. Not as in like, in this stage show, these are the players. It's, and Wilson Phillips as, oh wait, Wilson Phillips is a band, not a person. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you're right though, because whatever it's showing in that pre, in that that um that credit roll it's you know the the characters are doing something that is part of that character's character like right? a trike um and looking like the grandmom from dinosaurs uh, <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sure she's a wonderful lady but she looks just like the old the grandma in dinosaurs <laughs> but it's okay. true though i mean that's kind of the way all of it was yeah yeah, because I'm, it was a, uh, it was less about uh, getting sucked into the story and everything. It was more about watching 
being entertained by the sh- the show, the uh, watching the play, watching. You were not supposed to get sucked into it. You were always supposed to be the outside observer looking in on it. Whereas more modern ones that are just showing you the setting mainly and, you know, giving the crawls of who's in it while showing you just either clips from the episode or from the show or just showing you shots from the city it takes place in, which seems more like a way to get you drawn into the story so you could absorb it more and less of a, uh, well, watching it from what, on far. Dance, monkeys, dance. Funny. But that still happens because with Family Matters, what's that very first shot? It's of the Chicago skyline. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's, so it's like, that's hey, usually look, just here's Chicago. And then it's showing yeah. you a suburb. And then it because shows it was you built the, for the, syndication. The All those old shows, they were, they were a lot of shows were shooting for syndication. Because that's where all your money comes from. Well, and but, by showing you a quick snippet, you could, the whole point of syndication is you could jump in at any point in time. So, showing you the setting, Chicago. This is the family. Here's the players. Go. But nowadays, since syndication's not really a thing because streaming, it's there's a whole different aspect to intros. And did we just hit on the theme of this episode organically? Um, I don't know because I have no idea where you're taking this thread. It is I'm a, not... it is a phantom thread to me. Well, okay. <laughs> well, it's how I over, wait, I'm sorry, Jake, you were trying to make a joke. Can you please explain that? That's a Daniel Day Lewis movie. It's called Phantom Thread where he plays a tailor. And so I was just, these ghosts. I, I don't know. I've not seen the movie. So, um, <sighs> But yeah, no. So I don't know why I just felt like making a pun right there. But okay, I'm glad we. I'm glad I stopped to address it. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's well. It is one of those things how we always look at things differently. Me and you. I I see this and I see not only just the show and how it's built, but although all I can think of is that's that that it's built for syndication, so they could they created the intro to where quick zap 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 here's the setting here's a quick glance at the players and uh, basically doing the type of things that they would do although i hey i've never seen eddie winslow work on a fucking car but that's his intro snippet true but the or thing the mom is, play piano <laughs> the thing is i wonder if maybe now just the locations play a bigger part because really perfect strangers like if I remember right, that takes place in New York, right? No, because I could have sworn it had like the uh, St. Louis Arch. I'm not sure. I wanted to say that it was New York. Anyway, so if you think about, okay, let's start with Friends then, right? Because Friends, part of the reason it works is because they are single people in New York, right? You couldn't put single people in Salt Lake City in 1992 because that's going to be a boring ass show, right? So, oh, it's in Chicago. Perfect Strangers is yeah. Okay, it's set in Chicago. Okay, so, um, but if you think about some of these sitcoms as it goes on, and for whatever reason, actually more than anything, The Office is what stands out to me, is because it takes place in, um. Scranton, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, a a so, a a uh, 
what a, a second tier city yeah right it's like a little bit higher rate than a uh than a somerset right it's i mean it's maybe more like a lexington or maybe more like a louisville right i wouldn't say a lexington or but, a louisville but those are two high class that town <laughs> but the town itself they still they have all of these different pieces of the story that still revolves around scranton whenever the michael scott character whenever he goes through his whole character evolution um part of his thing is you know his identity like scranton is part of his identity and so i wonder if now as things have gotten more like as we have kind of become more intertwined societally that part of our own representation of who we are is where we live or um where we come from or what we claim i mean because it was always sort of that way anyway right in the 90s you would say where you were from and then that would usually give somebody an idea like if somebody's like oh i'm from mccreary county well you know that gives a (laughs) sorry omar sorry ham um but (laughs) that gives a very specific thought right it automatically in it puts something in your brain of what that person's like but now where we are so intertwined societally that whenever you watch a show like the office or if you're if you just talk with if you have a random chain of tweets back and forth with someone that's in saskatoon canada right um that kind of builds an identity for that location for you automatically. Because before, you know, 25 years ago, if somebody said they were from Saskatoon, you're like, oh, okay, Canada and it's cold. That's about all I know, right? Um, So I wonder if that's why these locations are kind of becoming more of a bigger... Character character yeah like part of well and not just its own character but it's actually like a identifier for the other characters within the story again with the office michael scott he was perfectly happy with staying in scranton whatever jim he just rolled with the punches and eventually he realized he's stuck in a dead-end job in a dead-end town right And so eventually you have to move away and then you realize maybe things wasn't so bad and then you move back. So there's just all of these. Jim's arc was uh, everything I've seen about that kid. It's just about somebody realizing that he has no fucking clue what he wants and realizing that, oh, okay, me just wanting other things because it's different than normal. Okay, yeah, stability can be nice sometimes. Right. Because we're all sold the bill of goods that. The only way you can succeed is to break out and do all this blah, 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 blah bullshit. But again, how many people that to me, that is a better representation of people in general in a small town or small to medium town than some, I don't know, like Stephen King novel or whatever it is that you want to use. Because to me, that's believable, right? Because Michael Scott is he sees himself as a big fish in a big pond when really he's like maybe a medium fish in a small pond. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's still, there's those same, ty- those same archetypes 
you can find like, dude, we could go through a yearbook and the same archetypes that are shown in the office. We could see that in other people that we went to school with. So there's something about those small locations. And maybe that's why small locations are being used more than big cities these days. Uh, but I think it just really goes to show how a, you know, whenever you have a sitcom based in the suburb of a huge city, a suburb is completely different than some small town, right? Like you may still have those same sort of character archetypes, but the scaling of it is different and the believability is different because, with small, with, whenever you're in a suburb of a large city, it's already assumed that you have access to resources that you don't have if you're in a small town, right? Yeah. So there's something that helps make it, I guess you'd just say, you know, to me, more believable whenever those archetypes are shown in a series that has a smaller town than with a large city. Huh. Thus concludes my sociological TED Talk. You know what I absolutely love? I started by saying that we view things differently, and you just completely encapsulated that point. Because <laughs> I was looking at it in terms of how we view our entertainment and how like uh, the entertainment that we watch gets presented to us. Because we moved from syndication to a more streaming binging watch whatever you want and you should you already know the plot because you're coming in at your time and you went with a fucking like a how society can affect what we point of view yeah yeah i fucking love that both of our points probably are bullshit and we're talking out of our ass, but it's two but, different ass talks. But it's, it's not because and I also think I watched the limited series. I think it's called The Pharmacist on Netflix, which is about this guy who was shocker. Hope you're sitting down. He was a pharmacist uh, in um, a well, New Orleans. Hey, Jake, yes. And, and just as a counterpoint, 24 hour photo is about very little photo (laughs) it does not have as much to do about the shack he works in and more about him being a fucking creepo (laughs) it's like eight millimeter guess what eight millimeter film actually plays a role in that movie anyway um so in the pharmacist it's about this guy who was a pharmacist and his (gasps) son his son is murdered in the lower ninth ward right which the lower ninth ward is its own character. Like this is like one of those super hard, poor drug infested areas of new Orleans. Right. Um, and a lot of, uh, like master P a lot of those like cash money, no limit people came out of the ninth ward, uh, Manny fresh, like a lot of those people. Right. Uh, huh. um, so the ninth ward becomes its own character because the people who inhabit that area, like while they may be, they may be living rough and they may be on their third spouse and, you know, they may have a boatload of kids, but they make up 
they are just a piece of this larger character that is actually the ninth ward. It's a really good series. You should watch it just because it's really interesting. Um, like the way the story progresses and the way they tell the story is pretty phenomenal, but it just, and again, I've not thought about this until you started bringing it up. It's like these wheels just started turning. Um, but I think that's why some of these more popular shows have been more based around small towns like Parks and Rec. I mean, even then, it's a fictional small town, but it's yeah, still Parks a small town. Parks and Rec town. was literally uh, The Office, but with more uh, more uh, uh, improv. That that was the concept of Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is fucking hilarious, though. But I can't. Um, I know everybody says get past the first season, but I'm sorry if I can't get past the first season, I'm not fucking continuing, dude. Even the writer for the show says that in the first season, they real like everything wasn't fully realized or yeah. fleshed out, especially like with Amy Poehler's character. But the point of of everybody's telling me, oh, just get past the first season. I can't. I need to watch the full thing. And if I'm stuck being annoyed halfway through the first season, I'm not going to continue on to season two. But the first season isn't so even just that many of, episodes. So, um, but so no. if I'm bored, if I'm bored on episode two, why am I going to sit through, uh, even if it's only five episodes long, why would I sit through five episodes of episode two? I hate. So. Dude, you, if you can sit through, even if it's a Rift Tracks or non-Rift Tracks version of fucking Breaking Dawn, you can sit through the first season of Parks and Rec, oh, dude. Oh, the only, okay. I will say this, the first Breaking Dawn is horrible. It is a piece of shit movie that how many times it's have only you seen good it, to Bob? Bob. Tell me how many times the first you've seen one? it. Yes. Just that once. That one okay. time you came in and watched me watching it was the only time I've watched the first one. The second one I've seen like three times because it's fucking oh hilarious. God, Bob. What? You have Michael Sheen just fucking devouring scenery left and right. It is fucking... It, everybody realized that it's all over. This is all done. So fuck it. Let's just be stupid. And everybody is so... It's the point of if you see someone knowing they're doing something horrible, uh, something kind of bland and shitty and hamming it up just to give you a bit of uh, a bit more of a uh, fun watching it as opposed to seeing something horrible and shitty where somebody is putting their all into it it's a lot funner to watch somebody ham up something they know is bad they're here for a check but they're not just gonna I am doing my lines now it's I am doing my lines now it's the difference between that. So yeah, you you keep trying to act like it's a, a sign of having no taste when Jake, how many times, how many times have you seen Can't Hardly Wait? But Can't Hardly Wait is fucking hilarious. I beg to differ. Dude, I guarantee if we did a poll on people, they would rather yeah, watch Can't Hardly Wait over fucking Breaking Dawn Part 2. Nah, shit, Jake, because everybody hates teenage girls and anything they would possibly like. And they would also, those same people who would not like the first season of Parks and Rec, but like all other seasons of Parks and Rec, would probably but no, agree with that no, same that statement. That is a completely different argument, because my argument of this is, 
if I can't slog through something I'm not liking in any way, shape, or form, I can't continue through to the parts that everybody says is great because I need to watch the whole thing. So I can't. I'm just like, well, another thing people said, like, like what season five or something of The Walking Dead's amazing. I wanted to, sh- I wanted to just fucking drown myself in a kerosene. I was gonna say I after haven't watched season three. It I haven't watched it past the third episode of the first season. Like it as is soon as such a bad show. As soon as uh, Michael Rooker and what's his name showed up, and it veered hard right away from the comic book and adding those two characters and all that shit that was going on. I stopped watching it. <laughs> I've not. That's. I've watched the first three episodes of Walking Dead. That's it. I, I haven't seen another episode. Oh well, you so can't. So that's been like ten years almost. <laughs> it has it, to veer away. You can't have something based on a comic with. But dude, and I understand that. But the very first season, like they cut. Geek. The, yeah, dude. Like the third. What was it? The but, third or fourth episode. They introduced those characters in the third episode, right? And it's like, dude, out of nowhere, it's just like, let's just go this way. And but I was also, like, Jake, no. The first season was written by Kirkman. And even then, I get it. It was written by Kirkman. And so I'm it like, was him sorry, dude, telling just... a story in the whole because, hey, hey, spoiler zombie stories that you can't have a uh, uh, a a special case when it comes to the zombie stories like they all eventually are the same. But it's a matter of. He's wanting to tell a, another story inside of his universe, which I can get. I can grok. It's fine. But that's it's funny fine. because I have no issues with like the- How that show can still be on its 12th fucking season and the tick can't make it past season two. It's fine. It's fine. Dude. It's absolutely fine. But I loved the Telltale <laughs> games. Like the first two seasons. Loved those. Like it was telling a different story within the universe, which was fine. But, oh, so you think they should have told a completely different story, not started with the story of, of, uh, of like whatever the fuck Darryl his name and is. Michael Rooker, like if those characters would have even been introduced maybe later in the season, I probably totally could have went with it, but it was so early in the show and I just, well, you needed, uh, I think the way they, the reason they did it is because they needed to establish, uh, 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 Rick Manbuff or whatever the fuck his name is as the alpha by showing by as like I am the one who is the person who makes the decisions now even though I was in a coma yesterday uh, by showing him like the the counterpart like somebody who's just as fuck you I'm in charge as he is but in a more animalistic way because they are they are hunters they are gatherers they are they are the ones who are specifically equipped in this situation to thrive but you have to make rick uh lay the law down on them to show that society is still a thing and there's going to be rules there's going to be society you can't like you can't just be racist michael rooker here cut off your own hand but <laughs> So yeah, I I kind of get the what they were going with that, but again, yeah. we I see it, things differently. <laughs> no, and it was I'm telling you, it's just because of how soon in the series that that was established. It really is. You were wanting more of a, a more of a time to to get that feeling of hey, I'm watching the comic. Yeah, 
Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, it, it was it was already painful enough that, you know, that they moved the 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 first part of the first episodes and thus the first part of the comic books out of Kentucky. I tried not to even though that was kind of a butthurt issue on my point of view. Instead, it just starts out in small town Georgia, and then all of a sudden they're in Atlanta. Whereas well, going be- from yeah. going from Shelbyville to Atlanta, like knowing that you have to take a trip from fucking central or northwestern Kentucky all the way to Atlanta, that is wait. So he starts up in rural Kentucky. Yeah, the comic book and starts he in rural walks Kentucky. His ass to Georgia. Yeah, he gets his ass to Atlanta. Like, he just, like, um, he'll, if I remember right now, it's been probably 10, 11 years since I read any of the comic book, but um, especially the the first few issues. Um, But no, he would just drive a car until it ran out of gas or he couldn't find gas, and then he'd just get another car and would keep driving. (laughs) Yeah. So, to me, that was way more impressive than just being in small town Georgia and then getting to Atlanta. To me, that's not as much of a fun But that's story. that is less of a changing the story and more of having to change it based off of they were given yeah. uh, tax write-offs because f- for filming in Georgia. I know, but still. That, it, that, it, that's, just, that's something not to nitpick on. It, that could be, if anything, a, a E-level point to bring up. Like if you're if you're going off of all the issues, that's no, going to be in the bottom. Like again, I I didn't watch past the third episode, so I have two issues with the series <laughs> that I have seen. You know what? And that's a fine point. And those are the two issues, and one of those just so happened to be a deal breaker, and it wasn't even the the moving of the scenery. Dude, what really I hate sucks the first is what they X-Men do to James because, because like even the first X Men movie. I can't stand because Wolverine and Sabretooth don't recognize each other. And it just yeah. it, it fucking pisses me now, off so bad. <laughs> I remember me and Cody getting into a stoned argument about this. Or it could have been you. All I remember is we were stoned. Uh, <laughs> me personally. Chances are it was you and Cody. Because the, the time that I smoked with you and Cody, it I was can count on one hand because it was once. We were just sitting in the because it was that that summer that we just sat in the old house with a bunch of comics and getting high. Oh, that was a fun summer. But I, uh, but in that, I would, I would absolutely have loved it if they would have just had Sabretooth smile yeah. at least once. Yeah, because even something like that. Then it would have been a simple fact of I know you don't remember me. It's fucking hilarious. Exactly. I'm not going to bring it up. But I'm that's not what happened. I'm going to ruin you, Logan. Yeah. It's not what happened. It is not what happened. It is stupid. It's annoying. And it's also hard to watch them again because, uh, man, they're just bad. Yeah. They're bad. Yeah. Like two. Except for X2. X2 was the closest it's to being still like. bad. Yeah, it's still bad, but but it has Brian, Brian Cox. Cox. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that's going to sync up with the editing, but I just want the I want you dear viewers to know. Oh shit! Hello, welcome to another episode of Brothers Quarrel. That's Jake. <laughs> that's Bob. I just want you all to know. Fuck! That is our coldest intro ever. <laughs> I just want you all that's to know, like Mr. Freeze that we cold. did in my headset. We said Brian Cox at the exact same time. Yes, we did. We did. But um, 
what was it? Shit, I was gonna. Oh, um, sorry, tangent topic change. Um, I actually sat down and watched the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Really? Uh, because it's on Amazon Prime right now. Now, oh, I was actually thing. going to talk about something like that too. But yeah, go. Okay, so in general, I liked it. Okay, you know how Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. How I mean, you knew it was. You knew that it was sort of trying hard, but it didn't feel like super try hard because it was more having fun. Right. It was more. Oh. Uh, tell you know what? It was there. If you can think of it, it was their swan song victory lap. Okay, they were basically singing the rose. All right, it was the end of it was the end. Of, it was supposed to be the end of the universe. It was them just sitting back, like you know what? Let's have a movie just of us, and let's adapt one of my comic books to do it. <laughs> right. So this one, for the most part, is so try hard. Oof. Um, for the I most figured part. it would, but here's the thing: there are like the stuff that I laughed at was some of the callbacks, but it wasn't as tryhard. Like there's a scene, just a random ass scene with Matt Damon as Loki, right? He's sitting in a church all by himself, and he's like, "Oh, hey, you're probably wondering what is Loki doing in this film? I thought he died at the end of Dogma, right? And so it is Matt Damon monologuing for like two minutes as Loki. But he, I, I don't even want to tell you this joke because it's so amazing. There's a and very I, good chance I won't watch the movie, Jay. And I had to pause it because it was glorious. And he, and so basically he's like, well, God decided that, you know what? Um, you're still going to live forever, but you're not going to go to hell and you're not going to be an angel, but I'm not going to send you back to Wisconsin. Um, so he's like, you know, so, uh, I was reborn and then he starts talking some more and at the end of it, he's just like, I guess you could say I have a reborn identity and dude, I just lost my shit because oh. I thought it was absolutely oh. hilarious. And, and even whenever it opens, That's he's so like, bad. he's like, you know, he's talking about being Loki. He's like, and I was Loki and your kids are probably sitting there like, but that's not Tom Hiddleston, but I was Loki before it was cool. <laughs> and, and he was yeah. also Loki afterwards. Exactly. So it was, it was a hilarious two minutes, dude. Like Matt Damon, just monologuing as Loki was great. And and in the the shot he's even smiling like he's like i've got a i've got a doozy and i'm about to hit you with this whopper of a pun and he's smiling and he stops and he looks off to the side and he's like reborn identity and then it just and he kind of giggles and then it cuts and it was so perfectly acted and shot it was perfectly it was out so... of nowhere it was uh, it was it oh, was something dude. that you probably would have seen in strikes back just something yeah. silly dumb and fun now, my absolute favorite part of the movie was like this maybe five to eight minute scene um, whenever they get to Chronic Con. And of course, oh. they're trying to stop the Blunt Man and Chronic reboot movie from happening. Um, of course. But of course, they run into Holden McNeil, right? And it's, you know, of course, it starts with the look at these two morose motherfuckers right here, you know, blah, of blah, course. blah, blah. Right. So. 
it plays some of those same chasing Amy jokes that played in uh, Strike, Strike Back, but it also veers like Holden McNeil starts to like wax philosophical on life in general. Like Joey Lauren Adams shows up and basically he donated sperm for her and her wife so that they could have a daughter and talked about how they stayed close. And whenever you're watching it, it's almost like it's almost like you're hearing Ben Affleck like have his own. It, and maybe it's just because of all, you know, knowing everything that Ben Affleck has gone through, like with substance abuse and you know, with his own marriage that went under and having kids and all this other stuff. Like whenever you're watching it, you're it's Holden McNeil saying all this stuff, but it actually feels more like a, um, almost like a, a point of view and it's coming from Ben Affleck and not Holden McNeil. There's it also was, the chance that it's, uh, it is, uh, Kevin Smith drawing attention to the fact that he's aged because or grew up in some yeah. aspects because the big point of contention that everybody should have with Chasing Amy is it's about a guy trying to fucking turn a lesbian and succeeding for the most part. So that's and that's that's but, if you're like being but, harsh about it. But uh, you don't ahead. even have to be harsh about it. That's the core concept is it but 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 and it's because it's from the point of view of a straight male dude making a story about a straight male dude scoring a girl so good or being so good with a lady it makes her redetermine how her outlook it it has that appearance but it, it'd be a from what I'm hearing from you it sounds like it'd be a way for Kevin Smith to draw attention to that as well and say yeah that was bad and if it was a story about actual people it would it it would cause someone to grow up and learn that it's not about you because I haven't seen Chase name in so long I can't remember a lot of the key you know issues that Holden had in it but uh but yeah it could be it could be I'm 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 safe for saying that it was by the basis of Kevin Smith framing it as a way of showing that yeah it you can grow past something that bad and then Ben Affleck came in and put in all his backstory yeah, and it history felt like and he just was putting his own like ooh, it legit felt like that he was it putting was an his own yeah it was an alley-oop Smith popped it up and he just slammed that motherfucker yeah, down. dude and it is okay. such a f fantastic scene like it is so well written like that's one of the reasons why i love chasing amy so much is it's so well written um and i happen and again it may just be from where we view life differently and where we have both had different life experiences to me chasing amy is just more about the complications of of caring about people like it's not like movies are more bullshit than hold on. I should say like, if you think of rom-coms, like the way all of that stuff goes about is way more bullshit it's than the way up. that chasing Amy approaches relationships. Right. Um, 
because here's the thing. There's no forcing her to convert or anything like that. Because remember, like, no, she doesn't have that initial um, same attraction. But there is a key line in the start of that movie that tells you that she's not completely against dudes. Because she actually says to Holden, she says, lose the dick or change the skin color. Right? And that she might then be interested. She's not saying lose both. She's like just saying, hey, you are this prototypical white dude. And so it has nothing to do ever. (laughs) Right? But that is one of the key lines of the movie is that she says these are the parameters. If you're a chick or if you are a dude that is not white, right? Um, And I think it just goes to show that there are, like, relationships are complicated. People are complicated. And the way that they love or express love is complicated, right? Um and I think even even if you and I don't know um, like your friendships and anyone who is gay or bi or falls into any of those those categories, but the people that I know, it's like their their past relationships and the way things shake out is complicated and that chasing Amy just from the people that I've talked with now, they may have, they may hold a completely different point of view, which, you know, cause they live it <laughs> right. <laughs> but from the stories that I have been told by them, to me, that seems more realistic than the, the other stuff, which also chasing Amy goes in on like all the, you know, that scene in the record store where they're talking about like lesbian chic and how it's so cool, like in the nineties to be considered by, or a female who likes another female, you know, there's this whole lipstick lesbian bullshit that goes along with it. Whereas if you're a dude, especially a black dude or any other minority and a male that happens to be gay, all of a sudden, you're you you're not seen the same way as you know like girl on girl action how many pornos and things have been sold because it's girl on girl right or multiple girls all together um but whenever it comes to male male relationships it's completely different right so there it it kind of goes after a lot more of culture. I'm not saying it's perfect and it still kind of has some issues to it, but it does a better job of taking on those established ideals than what people give it credit for. Um and that's me taking any of my own personal biases toward, you know, his writing and that sort of thing. Um, and Kevin Smith movies in general, but that movie has a lot more, a lot more heart and says a lot more about the, the complexity of, of humans and their relationships than, than it gets credit for, in my opinion. Well, all right. (laughs) 
as I wax philosophical about that, but maybe, maybe you should, maybe you should sit down and rewatch it and like try to erase all that because I, and maybe it's because I've seen it so many times. Yes. You you have seen it a whole lot more than I have, Jake. I will say that. And I think, but. And also personally, I wasn't that engaged with the movie. It just, well, when was the last time you watched it? That is, that is honestly and a fair point age? too because like, no I, I legit I'm legitimately curious I, no 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 I'm not being defensive that is a very fair point because at the time part of the main reason I did is I was not a big fan of indie movie of uh, highbrow indie movies whereas now I dude I'll sit the fuck down and watch the shit out of them so I may have right. a different opinion on it than I do than I did uh, then. And I need to sit down and rewatch it because I probably haven't watched it in, man, it's probably been like seven to ten years somewhere there. It's probably been somewhere between 2010 and 2013. Somewhere in there was the last time I watched it. Uh, And I think it's actually on Netflix. Hey, Jake, Um, I was in Kentucky. Yeah, so definitely, and I kind of now want to rewatch it just because now I have even more... Um, even more kind of perspective Ooh, but what on if life. you come across to the other side of thinking on it? Yeah, true. But I mean, and in that movie, like their daughter, they actually named her Amy. Um, which I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> which, yeah, that's kind of yeah, yeah. Which I mean, he starts to do his whole. He almost starts to do like a a Silent Bob waxing philosophical kind of thing, which is really really funny. But anyway, that scene for me, that is, and even the movie that's, that was probably Kevin Smith's apex, like as a writer and filmmaker. Um, and I, I do, I absolutely just love that movie. I need to sit down and rewatch it though, to see it, how I see it now. Um, but dude, some of that writing, like the whole, um, like the whole Luke Skywalker was a Nazi monologue at the con, is fucking genius. <laughs> like that that whole spiel is so good, and um, still the scene whenever they're at the hockey game and they go out to the parking lot and they have their big screaming match, that is probably still some of the best, like, acting from Affleck I've ever seen. Uh, Like, that dude just lays it out, man. He just, oh, it's so good. It's, man. Yeah, I need to sit down and rewatch it now. But, no, you should, too. You should, you should, I mean, you're working from home and you're doing your thing, and you should totally at least give it a, give it a chance. Well, as stated in our text chain a bit ago, the only way I'm staying sane while working from home is playing a specific podcast that I always played while I was at work. If I deviate from that, I'm fucking laying on the couch. I That isn't even a joke. I spent one day, most of the day, I was barely getting through work. <laughs> I spent the rest of the time on the couch. On, I just like, man, fuck yeah. this shit. I'm just fuck, fuck. If I had that podcast playing, 
I'm able to stay at least in that right. mentality Which, of work. And I think that so. people try to put some revisionist history on it, acting like that Holden McNeil is somehow, you know, this bad dude for wanting to change the lesbian kind of thing, right? Um, which I think is kind of bullshit just because, again... You can have a movie easily about that concept. That's my my issues about the way it was like. Uh, it, when you said that, I, I fucking flinched. I was like, oh, that does sound fucking horrible. But that's honestly kind of feels like that a, sounds horrible. a setup of the movie. If you want to condense it down, if you want to condense down the yeah, plot of the movie, the that is about of it. Human relationships. So I'm focusing less on the character Yes. Yeah, and more on the writing of it to where I don't think it was executed all that well. Again, it... but as you said, I probably have, I probably could change my mind right. on that like there, if there, I watch it again. There's some valid not, though. criticism of that movie, um, and I get it, but again, at... and you also have to keep in mind that this is all, kind of, and you did touch on that nicely, it's coming from your opinion as as the apex of privilege, a straight white dude, it's same as mine. Like everybody has different opinions on it. And you always get your opinion from your stance. And like your opinions come from the factors of your knee jerk reactions, as well as the way you were raised, as well as the world you live in and the way you view things as who you are. No two people can view the same thing the exact same way. It's impossible. So from your perspective, it's this way. Everybody has different perspectives, and that's a good thing to yeah. know. Anyway. I lost my train of thought there. Sorry, my oh. headache came back. <laughs> it, it was because I was waxing was, philosophical about it came chasing back Amy. About like I'm doing this whole big diatribe. Oh, no. It's been coming back for the last, like, 20 minutes. Which is so. about how long I talked about chasing Amy, so. <laughs> no, it oh. wasn't that long. <laughs> yeah, probably. But, <laughs> so, yeah, okay, yeah, right let's go that. ahead and say it was your fault. <laughs> But on my side, I will admit, I do like the fact that they've been uh, releasing movies early because, you know, it gives you something to do. So I ended up uh, watching uh, Birds of Prey last week. Really? That movie's really fucking good, Jake. Yeah, because, well, to me it was refreshing because, again, to stay on my soapbox for a second, it's nice to see a movie – that's not directly from a perspective that's very easily recognizable to me, but still fucking hilarious because the, you could tell just by, well, the lack of, uh, of my, of Michael Bay and, uh, lewd shots. There's like a cast of very, very attractive women. Not a single shot was to lewd on them. Everything was, was just because well the writer the director the main cast all female so they have a very different perspective of what they consider would be uh fun and entertaining than what specifically my perspective would be and i fucking loved it also the goddamn fight choreography was top goddamn tier it was fucking phenomenal it was well written the sh- the lighting yeah i even i even liked the fucking lighting in the movie it was refreshing to see a dc movie that isn't dark and gritty there was fucking it's like it's like joe schumacher stepped in for a second okay 
it is interesting fun it is a very fun movie the uh and i was i was sort of expecting it when i saw the scene because i i was reading through gail simone's twitter one time and she was going she was going off about how fucking jazzed she was because of uh she went in to watch to watch the uh to watch the filming of a very specific scene and the way she was talking about it is it was goddamn ridiculous that this was all done in one take like five fucking times in a row so yeah there's editing and cuts but they start to finish they made sure the entire shot was done in one go over and over and over and watching that scene it was like a, a just a scene where like they were all they're all in a fun house doing the uh the ensemble fight, you know, that's an, that is an, any ensemble superhero show. You have to have the ensemble fight where you show one person kick ass and it bleeds perfectly into the next person kicking ass. It was fucking great. And the whole time we realized that goddamn Marco Robbie did all this while wearing fucking 80s skates. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Like those big chonky ass 80s skates. It, it was such a fun fucking movie. I highly recommend people watch it. And it's just fun. But yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I kind of forgot. Um, so there's a, a wink and a nod at the, the terrible Martha thing uh, from Batman versus Superman. Um, because, oh, because, uh, so of course, Holden is, mentioning how you know whenever you get whenever you're younger you're you kind of think like batman but as you get older and become a parent you're more like thomas wayne and he's like or what was what was the wife's name i'm having trouble remembering it and he looks at the <laughs> the camera and kind of smirks <laughs> so he even kind of made fun of the whole martha thing <laughs> Yeah, it was yeah. bad. It was anyway, horrible. Sorry. I, I whatever you started talking birds of prey for whatever reason that kicked into my head. So uh-huh. uh yeah. But anyway. Um what was it? It seemed like there was gonna be something else I wanted to Oh, so I started watching that documentary series on Vice TV called uh Dark Side of the Ring. Um the first two episodes are free to watch like on YouTube and even on the app but the uh-huh. first two episodes were all about the Chris Benoit situation um and tragedy so the first Ooh. part was more like you know the rise of him and his wife I didn't realize his wife was a wrestler and manager and did all that stuff also yeah I didn't know about oh, really? that but huh. it kind of cataloged that and two things it went in on that I didn't realize one was just how close he was to Eddie Guerrero, like, like brother type of close. Like they did a lot of traveling together and, you know, Eddie's wife would talk about how he would visit. And, um, like there was one time where she actually saw Chris, like sitting on Eddie's side of the bed and holding his pillow and crying and, like it sounded like the death of Eddie Guerrero kind of like broke him, which I found really interesting. And I didn't realize that was, um, that was kind of, you know, a thing. Um, I thought Chris Benoit died before Eddie. 
No, Eddie died in 05 and Benoit oh. killed himself and his family in 07. Um, and then the second thing was I didn't realize that he had an older son from his first marriage. And fuck, does he look just like his dad, dude? Minus being all like Roy yoked, like no neck having because his, his fucking uh his delts are so big. Uh-huh. Um, but dude, like the sunken eyes and everything, like you see that kid, you're like, that's fucking Chris Benoit's son, dude. And it was, it was so fucking heartbreaking. Like listening to him talk about how he was bullied as a kid because of his dad doing that. Like, you know, and how close he was to his younger brother and even to his stepmom. He's like, you know, I never said step whenever I just always called her mom. She was amazing. And talking about the relationship that he had with his brother and with his stepmom. And I guess with Benoit's wife, her sister stayed with them a lot and helped with like Daniel, the the youngest son and all this other stuff. Right. And so when all of this happened, like the sister and the oldest son, like they were both told by the other, that the other didn't want to have anything to do with them or that side of the family didn't want to have anything to do with them. And so here's these two people who are trying to deal with this tragedy and the only other person who knows what, who even kind of comprehends what they're going through, they believe that they want to have nothing to do with them. And so this, like Chris Jericho and the actual series kind of brought those two together. Um, and they kind of, you know, started, he's like, I've got my aunt back and I don't feel so alone in all of this. And dude, it was just fucking heartbreaking to watch absolutely heartbreaking but at the same time the storytelling is fucking incredible dude because they don't go off on like all of these conspiracy theories or anything like that they just tell the story with facts and everyone who played a part like i didn't know that chavo guerrero had such a part to play in both deaths like uh like they're talking to chavo and Eddie died in his arms. Like whenever he had his heart attack, like Eddie was still, I mean, he was on his way out, but he was still alive and actually died in Chavo's arms. And whenever like early in the morning, whenever Benoit snapped, he sent Chavo a text to let him know that the back gate was unlocked and the dogs were in their pens, sent it from both his own phone and from his wife's phone sent that text message to Chavo and he's like, okay, that's really weird. And he just ended up going back to sleep, not realizing what those text messages were. Holy shit, dude. I was like, man, this is some heavy shit, dude. But at the same time, it, it, it's the storytelling of it is absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible, dude. So big thumbs up. I would say definitely watch it. Um, because while I was in California, of course, I was kind of bored. Um, and I actually had, I'd put Raw on, on the TV while I was playing WoW. And I was like, fuck, dude. Like, people in wrestling these days, like, their mic work sucks. Like, think of, like, the worst person on the microphone, like, Stephanie McMahon type bad. 
and multiply it by like 15. And that's how bad these people are on the microphone. And it's made me realize that my favorite wrestlers were people who were technical and or great on the microphone. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, dude. So you should totally check out that series, especially considering you can watch it on YouTube. But um, watching those two Benoit episodes, man, it's heavy, but it's also really good storytelling. Fantastic storytelling. And with that, we'd like to thank you all for joining <laughs> us for our happy episode. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, it's heavy. It's heavy. Damn, B. <laughs> Tell them where they can get at us. Um, Since it's been a while, in case you forgot. It's been a while. You can... <laughs> You can find us on the Twitter machine at ABQ Podcast. Capital A, capital B, capital Q. Podcast. Um, you can also send us an email, brotherscoral at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on the Facebook. Uh, the various podcatchers of your choosing, you're going to find them on all of them except for SoundCloud. Uh, am I missing anything? Rate and review. Ah, yes, that would be nice. A good rate and review. We haven't had one in a couple of years, so um, <laughs> so it would be nice to get another uh, get another rate and review in there. Um, what else is there? Um, I almost want to. I think like, you're throwing out because I didn't say that's about going to do it. Uh, no, I'm trying to think because part of me wants to try to pimp the. Uh, the Quarrel Cast Rating Guild on WoW. Oh, yeah. If people uh, play although, on RP Realms. Uh, last week, in lieu of an episode, we did play a bit of WoW, and that's up on uh, YouTube under uh, Brothers Quarrel. The YouTuber. Yep. Yeah. Wow, you're old. Uh, so, <laughs> Which I actually started to uh, watch. I think I'm like halfway through it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was about two hours of us just playing. Uh, got a new screen capture. I, did, I used... There's a setting specifically for copy game footage. I'll use that instead next time because the video quality is... And apparently my audio quality is peaky as fuck. I didn't think that the video quality was that bad, though. Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just not as good as it could have been because of the... I did screen capture instead of game capture, so... And also, yeah, the audio, it was hard guessing on that because I just had to roll them goddamn dice, and when it got uploaded to youtube the the audio peaked a lot higher so i guess i'll alter it up some next time i do one of those but yeah it's it's a learning process but about halfway through it we actually start having a regular brother's quarrel episode and start talking about things so go ahead and it's true give that a watch and maybe if we do any more of those videos maybe it can just be like of a dungeon and it's you telling me what to do and talking about mechanics and maybe we could start just being like here's a how to not be a wiener when doing this dungeon here's a how to guide at the end of fucking BFA (laughs) (laughs) hey man you never know because most people aren't you Jay (laughs) it's true so maybe that's what we can think about doing whenever Shadowlands launches is maybe we can start doing uh yeah yeah, we can look into that. We'll, we'll, we'll get creative. We'll deal with that off, Mike. So, until next time, we here at A Brother's Quarrel would like to remind you that no one ever truly wins an argument. Not with that attitude, they don't.